Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast platforms, including Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, PodBay, Speaker, and more. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and it is my honor to bring in my two great co-hosts. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how's it going today? Uh, it's going great. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going well, well, well. I am excited for this week's show. Uh, definitely we'll be getting into some very cool things in just a few moments, but we can't do that without, well, the third member of our trios team, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. It's me. It's me. Hi, Conan. I know you're not listening. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Conan's ever listened to this show, so... You know, what we what we've done with, you know, <laughs> is five minutes talking about us one time a year ago. We've made it stretch for over a year. That's right. 
We've made every second of that count. So uh, thank you, Conan, for, for all that material uh, and giving us our gimmicks. And no one, no one can, can no one ever say he wasn't creative enough to create gimmicks because he created the gimmicks of pretty much, you know, most of us oh, on man. this on this podcast. He did. I mean, yeah, he did a lot of gimmick creating. Yeah. Yes. Well, you know, as you know, my segue, speaking of Conan, uh, oh. this week we had a huge drop. Uh, the Eat Like a Luchador cookbook dropped this week. Yes. Yeah. For those of us who pre-ordered, we received our books right on the day, June 1st. Um, it's been available now in bookstores all over the United States. It's been available on Amazon and all of the great places. Um, so it's, I got mine earlier this week and it's a, such a cool book, um, that does feature, you know, Conan, but also tons and tons of other luchadors and lucha adjacent, you know, fans and promoters and, and, everyone that it's it's just a beautiful beautiful book i'm the i'm the odd man out i haven't gotten mine yet but i'm still gonna do the shout out i'm gonna go down to destiny city comics and pick it up from uh ethan hd who is a local wrestler who also owns the com that comic shop so i mean how can you not support that store so uh i will once again throw it out there destiny city comics in tacoma Washington, for those of you who don't know. Very cool. And Dusty, you got yours too this week, right? Yeah, I did. I pre-ordered mine. I got it the day it was released. It's very cool. I love the art. Like yes. the art is. I, I got a Joe Barker has a beautiful painting or art. I don't know what you call it, but for his, it's incredible. Uh, the photographs are incredible. There's some great shots of Taya in the kitchen and Solar mm-hmm. in the kitchen. And, um, Super Astro with the torta. Like, yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's so much more than a cookbook, too. Like, there's, it talks about the luchadors. There's incredible art and photos, like I mentioned. That's, yeah, it's much more than I anticipated. Yeah. Even knowing what we knew in advance, it was more than I <laughs> expected. Yeah. What what we really knew, by the way, so you everybody can understand where we're coming from on this, is every time we talked to Kevin and said, are you busy, it was, this cookbook is taking all of my life. And then he would tell us a little thing, like just, you know, getting the photos ready or whatever. But there's uh, it just every time for the whole of last year, it was eat like a luchador is taking up my life. So I don't know what Kevin's going to do now. Maybe he's going to go to Disneyland. Hopefully rest. <laughs> yeah, that was the same vibe I got as I was talking with uh, Ruben Zamora just actually <laughs> earlier today. Um, we were communicating and I congratulated him on the release of, of the book. And he was just saying that it was definitely – uh, not a nightmare, but it wasn't a daydream. It wasn't, it wasn't, um, smooth sailing. There was a lot of work that was put into this book, uh, by really multiple people, um, oh, yeah. with Jerry and Kevin and, and Ruben and everything just, you know, behind the scenes, all, all of the details that was put into it. So, and, and it came out amazing though. Like it's such a vibrant, book with amazing pictures 
cool recipes. Um, you know, as we joked about with Conan earlier, he has one of the more lengthy profiles in the book, um, where he has several page spread outs and, and it's also a little bit of like a history textbook as well. Yeah. Um, so it's such a cool hybrid of so many things. Yeah. So you have name dropped and I'm just going to finish that. Jerry Villagrana, who we've interviewed on the show and has his own podcast on the podcasting network. Did, he took a lot of the photos. I think he was one of the primary photography editors for this too. Um, but so we should make sure to get him his dues and his props as well. Congratulations on finishing the book for you as well, Jerry. Thank you for uh, all of your hard work. And I know you actually do listen to the show. So thank you for being one of our regular listeners too. Yeah. Thanks, Jerry. So if you have not gotten yours, make sure you get it however way you want to get it, whether you order it online, you go to your nearest bookstore. I just highly, highly recommend it. Even for someone like me that doesn't cook, um, it's just a lot of awesome pictures and storytelling that you get from this. Um, and it's fairly affordable. I think um, I remember only paying about $20 um, for it. I think it's only $21. Ninety nine. Yeah, that sounds something. Right. Yeah. I mean less than $25 for a very hefty book. Like when yeah. you feel it, it definitely is a good, you know, size book. And again, the artwork and the pictures and the content of it, you could easily think it would be double the price. Yeah, so hardcover on Amazon, who does unfortunately cut prices a little bit, twenty one ninety nine. Uh, or the Kindle version is only twelve ninety nine. So, like, if you're on a super budget but you still want to read this book, the e version is super affordable. Yeah, and if you want to take it around with you <laughs> in a little bit of a lighter manner, because, like I said, the hardcover <laughs> is it's hefty. It's it's a hefty size. Um, so if you want to have something that's a little bit more portable, the e book. Um, but you could also have both. Yeah. Uh, yes, I've definitely done that before. You get the book a lot less messy if you actually want to cook. If you have the ebook in the kitchen and you have the nice hardcover out and on, on, still on the bookshelf where it can be mm-hmm. safe from your cooking. Unless, <laughs> I don't, yeah. maybe I'm the only one that's messy in the kitchen. I don't, no, that's not uh, true. No. I saw Selena Dolorenta cooking it. I'm not the only one. <laughs> so again, eat like a luchador cookbook. Um, it is. Legends of Lucha Libre and Monica Ochoa uh, available at your nearest bookstore or online. Make sure you order it. It's well worth it. Let us know your thoughts. You know, we definitely will be talking about these recipes as we try them out. We definitely want to hear more about everyone's thoughts on the book, on the recipes, on the people featured. Uh, we'll be giving out our social media information uh, later on, but you all know where you can find us. So make sure you reach out to us and let us know your thoughts on the eat like a luchador cookbook but how are we going to start the show road back to shows with brendan oh wow i thought we were going to do something different this time (laughs) no no um so uh speaking of not doing anything different mexico city is still yellow which uh one of our listeners says that every time he hears me say that he thinks that I'm calling Mexico City chicken, so I I am uh, kind of enjoying that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so, but yes, Mexico City is still yellow. We're going to still have fans. More shows are having fans. We're going to be talking about that throughout the show. That's going to be one of the themes is you're going to have more shows with fans, uh, legally, which is why we're going to be back to talking about certain federations in the Indie Roundup, but we haven't gotten there yet. Um, we do have, unfortunately, a little bit of bad news this week. I'm going to pull up the news story on this so that I can get you the, uh, the best, uh, the best, uh, most up-to-date information I can on it. Uh, Luchador Exotico Passion Crystal has been, uh, declared, declared dead after being, after going missing in the ocean. Um, she, she was, uh, 45 years old. Uh, it turns out that, uh, she was swimming in Acapulco and the tide seems to have taken her away. So this is not, not something, I mean, it's not, it's not, uh, your usual young wrestler dies to those of us who grew up in the eighties and nineties kind of story. It is very sad and still very too much too young, but it's not, uh, it's, it's a, a thing that unfortunately has, that does happen once in a while. Um, Passion Crystal had debuted all the way back in 1994, was uh, part of Los Exoticos with Cassandro and Pimpanella. So very, uh, very big part of the Exotico movement and community. So this is a huge loss there. Uh, she remained with AAA until 2015. And then went to IWRG, uh, where she remained. In fact, her last show was with IWRG not too long ago. I think it was about a week ago. It, it was very recent. It, uh, it's actually, I'll be, I have the exact date in the Indie Roundup. Uh, oh. I was going to do this. I was going to do that match even before I found this out, but, uh, yeah, uh, so it was, it was about a week ago. We'll be able to piece that together very shortly. Um, yeah, so I mean, our, my heart goes out to the friends and family and all the people that were inspired by, by, uh, this, this wrestler. This is, um, definitely a huge loss and it's, uh, it's a tragedy that someone so young has to, has to have an accident like this, but all right. <laughs> so that's, uh, I'm gonna try and move on. I wanted to get that one out of the way so that I can, uh, <sighs> calm down and go to other things here. But, uh, uh, yeah, that, uh, we're gonna move on to an, in other news in a recent indie event in the United States, uh, Alberto El Patron turned up and uh, showed up after the main event. He came out in a mask, took off the mask, did an interview in the middle of the ring saying that he was basically trying to hype up his feud with Andrade. And the reaction in the arena and online was not very positive. So apparently there's a lot of uh, 
negative energy towards Alberto at this point. Um, there were when we were discussing the story, we were making some possible jokes and all of that. I just want to leave uh, leave it where it is. Alberto is definitely uh, definitely still going to do the match uh, coming up at Federation Wrestling and a couple of other promotions. But, uh, you know, we don't need to, uh, we don't need to focus on, on the negative energy at this point. Uh, speaking of Federation and wrestling, they made a few more announcements. Their big one is you can now buy tickets to the live event. Uh, it is at a bullfighting ring. I'm going to slaughter the name, so I apologize to all of the Spanish speakers that are listening out there, but, uh, Constituente Charo Lienzo is how it was listed on the entry I found. And then when Miranda looked it up to help me with the Spanish, it looked a little different. Uh, I believe it was Charo Lienzo Constituente is how, how she saw it. Um, either way, it's uh, in, in the greater Mexico City area and they were waiting until they were allowed to legally have fans there. And, uh, it, it's kind of good. It's going to be a very interesting visual look because it is that big round dirt floor with the ring in the middle. Like you would see it at a, at a, if you just dropped a ring into the middle of a bullfighting arena. So, uh, it, I feel like that's going to play into a lot of the graphics and the look of the, uh, of the event. Um, I'm actually a little bit excited about that. I don't know. What do you do? What do you guys think on that one? Yeah, I think it'll be really a, a unique setting, and I mm-hmm. think that if they do it, you know, like if the videography and everything is, you know, of a high enough level that the visuals from it will just be unmatchable. Yeah. Like the crowd and the bullfighting ring, you know, cheering and the, yeah. the doors in the middle, and mm-hmm. oh, yeah, so good. It seems like it already has a great natural setup because of the way that they start off so from the top and then they move down and um some of the angles in a bullfighting wing are very unique compared to like what you see in say a traditional stadium or, or arena so uh i totally agree if you get the right camera angles and look it's going to look amazing and it's going to be something that is definitely unique yeah um i i uh, am even more excited for for this this pay-per-view they're doing We've talked about this. I've they they're doing everything right for being big and exciting on the first show, which is what they have to do to succeed. It also, unfortunately, is what a lot of federations do, and then don't have proper follow up on. But I mean, that's just speculation. I'm still going to be positive here. I think uh, they, to Dusty's point, I think they're going to get people that are going to to make it look visually impressive because they haven't skimped on anything else. They're they're it's top dollar talent. It's there. They have a. It it may see, seem small and um, and kind of muted right now, but they clearly have a very strong social media presence that's well trained and very disciplined. So uh, I feel like they're going to have that same level of quality with the the camera people as well and. All the uh, all of the production stuff that goes on, even the guy that's selling the T-shirts is probably going to be a professional that's done this for a long time. 
Um, but they also announced a few more people. We uh, have added Shane Taylor and Extreme Tiger to the Copa Federation. So they're digging even deeper into this kind of ROH vibe, which I'm not. I'm not uh, uh, offended by it all. There, I mean, if we're going to have Kenny King and we're going to have uh, all of the uh, Ingo Bernables or uh, the LFI faction to be specific, um, why not get some of these other uh, wrestlers and luchadors that are working out of uh, out of ROH and and maybe that will allow us to ha- allow ROH to have access to more independent luchadors in the future. I, I, all of that seems like a good idea to me. They also announced uh, Brazo de Oro Jr. Uh, just as appearing on the show, so he could be another one that could fit into that Flamita Ray Horus three way with a surprise luchador, or he could be put in in a, any number of places. He's a young man with a, I mean, he's carrying a big name, so he, I, I have big expectations for him, but I haven't seen him in action yet. I don't know. Are you familiar with him at all, Dusty? Um, I am not. No. So yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but so so people know Brazo de Oro is uh, is a huge name from a dynasty in in Mexico. So like that's kind of like naming your kid Hulk Hogan Jr. Like I yeah, mean, it's <laughs> you're 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 putting expectations on him. So I I fully expect that he's going to have. A good pedigree and and look good in whatever match they put him in. I'm very curious about this one. And mm-hmm. I believe the Brazos are related to Psycho Clown too yes. somehow through family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean like that's a big pedigree to. Yeah. That's that whole dynasty. Uh, mm-hmm. They, um, which like leads to other, which led to other things as well that we've talked about on the show once in a while. But <laughs> the. Uh, it is it is a massive family. I believe last time I fact checked this, they were the largest uh family in all of wrestling, which includes the Samoan oh. dynasties. So you know Yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah, there's a lot of them. All right, so that was my uh, road back to shows. I, I, it's kind of short and sweet right now. Um, the, the little bit of uh, sour and a little bit of sweet this week, but uh, that's what we've got. And let's move on to the indie roundup. I still miss you singing me in, Dusty. Yeah, uh, miss the Clint Eastwood style. <laughs> uh, all right, so. Uh, and of course, I didn't put the date on there. But yeah, the IWRG match happened last weekend. Um, they were, this was the, I only had two matches I was going to put in. Uh, this was the semi main, and you had Diva Salvaje, Jesse Ventura, and Passion Crystal against Connect Jr., Hijo Del Fishman, and Mascara Sagrada Jr. It's a big high profile match. Uh, this was, for the for the uh, trios semifinal tournament, and the Exoticos won. So IWRG unfortunately is in the unfortunate situation that uh, the card is going to be subject to change now. 
Um, and there's no, I mean, I can't see a good way out of this because you can't just plug someone else in there after this has happened. So I don't, maybe they just restart the tournament or something, but, uh, it, it looked like it was a good match. I, this is all big names that I, I enjoy seeing. The highlights I saw were, were fun. Uh, the, this, I was watching this as best I could on highlights. There are some out there on the, uh, on, on YouTube. We, the, this IWRG event is also being covered on luchacentral.com. So if you want all of the results, you can do that. I am skipping ahead to the, the semi-main and the main most of these times on Indie Roundup because IWRG puts on huge cards with six or seven matches usually. And a lot of the time you're saying names at the beginning that nobody recognizes. And then in our main, we had Demonio Infernal and Fresario Jr. against Supernova and Tejano Jr., and they did a thing that I'm, IWRG is getting on my nerves with this. They'll put in four great guys, have a tag team match with people that are in the middle of a feud, and instead of having a definitive ending, they just have it, have them all brawl until the referee gets tired and rings the bell. Like, so that's, that's where we're at. We have, I mean, anytime you have Demonio Inferno and Fresario Jr. and Tejano, you know they're, they're probably just gonna stop trying to pin each other. They're just gonna punch each other until one of them doesn't get back up. But, uh, this time they did it outside the ring and, uh, chairs and plunder were involved. And if you like chaos, this is the match for you. Unfortunately, I gave away the, the ending in that nobody wins. Uh, yeah, that was, so that was our IWRG match, matches for, for this week. I did get another indie promoter. This is, uh, to, to give me results. This is, uh, 5CC Wrestling out of Bellingham, Washington. Uh, they have, so the, one of the big advantages of having a lucha school here in Seattle is a lot of these promotions now get legitimate luchadors to be part of their matches. So they, in the opening match, they had a, a match with, um, it was a, it's a intergender match. So you had Rebel Kel, Riley Jackson, Levy Cruz, Kid Cuervo, and Donica Della Rouge in there. And, um, people who don't know any of these names because you live outside the state of Washington, I will try and break it down as best as I can for you here. Rebel Kel, uh, has, she did a short stint in stardom shortly before lockdown. She's, uh, on the way up, but she is, uh, to the best of my knowledge, she hasn't done any lucha training. It's Kid Cuervo and Danica de la Rouge who are, are the, uh, lucha trained ones here. Kid Cuervo is straight out of, he's the, one of the current Lucha Libre Volcanica tag team champions. And Donica is, uh, also lucha trained here. She also went to Florida for a, uh, NXT tryout in 2019. So, um, these are names that could be on the rise. Uh, the, uh, so Riley Jackson, Levy Cruz are, are great local wrestlers as well. Um, I don't want to undersell anybody in here, but we are, I did get this one specifically asked for the results on this because this was our lucha match. 
the winner of this match gets to choose their opponent for the next show. Um, oh, I, I forgot one very cool detail. This, they're called 5CC because this is they do all their matches in a five-sided ring. So they also have a lot of these matches with five people in it. So they can put one person in each corner and introduce them that way and kind of play up their, the coolness of their ring. Um, so thank you again, 5CC in Bellingham. The winner was Donica Della Rouge. The, she chose to face Brittany Wonder out of, uh, Southern California, most infamously with, uh, oh, never mind. I, then the promotion name just shot out of my head. Um, she's all over the place. That should, that should be a good match, but Donica Della Rouge, who, uh, also has been doing work, uh, at, for FSW and uh, and a couple other promotions we've talked about on this show is going to be on again. So we may have some more results for you from 5CC in the upcoming future. But that's my indie roundup too. We're I'm, like I say, I'm trying to keep it short and sweet this week. Thank you, Brendan, for as always the road back to shows and the indie roundup. Up next. We're going to kick it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live, it's WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central Weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. 
And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic. The Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. As always... Denise Salcedo killing it with this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, we're going to kick it off with some AAA news with Dusty, including some TV tapings and, uh, well, mainly some spoilers. If you don't want to be spoiled, <laughs> this may not be the section for you, even though it's already been spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> We are not the person spoiling it. We are not the person spoiling <laughs> yeah. it. We're just it's a, reporting it's the news. It's already out there. We're just, we're just bringing the news to you. That's, that's yeah. what people want. They want the news. That's and, want. and I'm bringing it to you. But, yeah, we, we have news that AAA is taping this week. The most current taping took place this past Monday at a ranch in Hidalgo, and the show apparently included a taping for Laredo Kid versus Latigo for the AAA Cruiserweight Championship, and that was the match that Latigo qualified for at Ray Reyes. So that's pretty exciting. Um, I, I don't actually know the ending, so I can't spoil that for you. But the <laughs> taping is slated to start airing Saturday, June the 5th. And there's no information at all currently regarding which week the title match will air. But AAA continued tapings throughout the week in Hildalgo, and apparently they'll be off for another three or four weeks before a new set of tapings. So when we find out about the title match and what happens, we'll let you know. But the title match is happening, and it's at a TV taping. It won't be happening at Triple Mania, for instance. So that's kind of interesting and you know, we'll keep an eye on it. But in other AAA and Triple Mania news, the Tijuana Sun newspaper had an article this week about Psycho Clown coming to Tijuana to wrestle the show. And they dropped the news that Psycho Clown will be facing Tejano Jr. in a hair versus mask apuestas match. And, I mean, ostensibly they got this information when they interviewed Psycho Clown. So that's kind of interesting because he was previously announced to be facing Reyes Scorpion. And, you know, that was kind of an interesting choice. We had even mentioned that before. And it's unknown if this was a mistake on the paper's part or if Tejano will somehow be stepping in for Reyes Scorpion. But either way, you know that Psycho Clown isn't going to lose his mask this year. Nope. So there's a spoiler for you. Well, <laughs> maybe, now that, maybe now that he's opened his big mouth and given away results, maybe he will lose his mask. Maybe this is it now. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping. Yes, I'm yes, hoping. No. <laughs> we, we also had some kind of interesting, like, not exactly AAA news, but AAA relevant. The, you know, Deanna Perazzo is challenging for the AAA Reina de Reina's championship at Triple Mania against Fabio Apache. And it's a winner takes all title versus title Apuestas match. But it was specifically stipulated to be champion versus champion rather than specific to Deanna and Fabio Apache. And Deanna and Britt Baker have kind of been teasing a feud in interviews and on social media. So there's a chance, you know, that we could see 
that that we thought that Fabi Apache would be the the more likely to be replaced. But if something happens between now and then, it would be really interesting to have Britt Baker kind of mirror Kenny Omega's championship. Because you know that's Uh what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. But but what if neither of the current champions make it to Triple Mania? How awesome could that become? Yeah, that would be a much more interesting Mm -hmm. match. And well, in the story leading up to it would make you more interested in the championship versus the mm-hmm. the participants. Yeah, it'd be very exciting. And so we'll see what happens with that too. Triple Mania takes place Saturday, August fourteenth at Arena Mexico City. And we we also alluded to it a bit. The other announced match so far is Kenny Omega versus Andrade for the Triple A Mega Campion Championship. So you know a lot of exciting stuff going on in Triple A. It's going to be an exciting summer. They're going to add crowds to the Puebla Magica shows. So a lot of lot of interesting things on the horizon for Triple A. And make sure you stay tuned to the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast because we're going to keep bringing you the news as we get it. Dusty, since you're on a roll and we had a lot happen in AEW this week, why don't you take us through this week in AEW? Yeah, well, we had a ton of stuff going on in AEW this week. Like you said, crowds were back and that was exciting. I, I thought I liked the pandemic era vibe. Like I'd kind of gotten used to it, but as soon as crowds were back, it was so good that like as long as they do it <laughs> safely, I don't care. Like I, I just want the crowd. Like the the way the wrestlers responded, I'll get to that a couple of times. But like just the crowd made such a huge difference, yeah, and both the the double or nothing and the tapings this week. I mean, big difference. Um, this show was largely unmasked, but I actually looked around in multiple venues for the upcoming Dynamite tour requiring masks as part of the buyer's agreement with tickets. So it'll be interesting to see what the protocol is going forward, but AEW does seem to be focused on safety, so it's really exciting. But on to the wrestling. First up, we have Monday, and it's Dark Elevation. The show opened with Thunder Rosa slow clapping and giving felicidades to Britt Baker on winning the AEW Women's Championship. And new champions are always followed by their old enemies. And tonight she was going to remind Britt Baker why she's still afraid of Thunder Rosa. Rosa (laughs) is currently ranked number two in the women's division. But thanks to her frequent dark and elevation appearances, she actually has three more wins than Britt Baker and only one more loss. She's got a 14-2 and record compared to Britt Baker's 11-1. and So that's pretty good. And she picked up her 14th win of the year in a match on Dark Elevation against Reka Tahaka. It was a competitive squash match. Um, she got a little offense in against Rosa, but Rosa was just on fire. Her charisma and her interaction with the crowd were incredible. This was her first, you know, match with the crowd like that. And you could tell, like, she just played off the crowd's energy. It was awesome like she was just so much better for the crowd being there she won the match with a thunder driver bomb into a peruvian necktie 
And then I mentioned, you know, lately that we hadn't seen much of Jack Evans, but he was here this week. We got a match, a singles match even, against Pinta El Zero Miedo. And before the match, we got a nice Pinta Says promo backstage with Alex Abrahantes. And Pinta said he was going to beat the Young Bucks on Friday Night Dynamite, and he was going to beat Jack Evans on Monday Dark Elevation. And it was so good. He had on his joker gear i don't want to yes. i'll get to that later fantastic but evans and angelico came out together and i've mentioned it before at their entrance but the juxtaposition of jack evans and angelico's attitude during the intros is just fantastic oh like, yeah because jack evans is all over the place like an excitable child and angelico's walking on just, his hands i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it just you get their their like their attitude and their vibe instantly with it. And I love that. It's very authentic in a way that I, I can't describe, but that I really love. But Pinta's intro with the crowd there was incredible. His charisma and the way he played to the crowd and off of the crowd and his cool factor, like it was just completely off the charts. These two actually have history together all over the planet, but as far as I know, they never faced off in Lucha Underground in a singles match. So I was going to ask, yeah. Yeah, you see that experience of having worked together in the match, but it also kind of has a new feeling because you haven't seen it before on television. And it was kind of a spot-filled match. It was exactly what you would expect from Pinta versus Jack Evans, but it was fantastic. I loved it. Penta hit a Canadian destroyer into a fear factor and picked up the oh, sand. Yeah, it was so good. Like uh, I, everything he does, and like I say, the crowds, like Thunder Rosa and Penta especially, just play so well to it. I do have to minorly correct you on that, though. Penta has changed that to a Mexican destroyer. Oh, that yes. is fair enough. <laughs> Fair I enough. would note that for future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. He's he's made it his own, so he should. Yeah, he, yeah. That's and that's why I think it's important to because I've heard the announcers call that the Mexican destroyer when he does it, and I, I, it's yeah, it's his now. Yeah. Okay. I like it. And next up, we have Tuesday Dark, and I mentioned them before, but we have the Hybrid 2, and Helico and Jack Evans joining Serpentico versus the Dark Order, Alan Angels, Stu Grayson, and Alex Reynolds. Nice trios match. Cody alluded that they're going to have some kind of trios or six-man tag team titles coming up soon. They better. Yeah, and I mean, they got enough trios already. I mean, it's been a while. We've mentioned this many times over the last year on the show, but I feel like we're closer than ever. Uh, The pairing was interesting. AEW really did the team an injustice by playing Chaos Project's music instead of TH2's music during their entrance. Because TH2 has the best theme in AEW. <laughs> yes. It's so good. But I'm willing to bet that, that uh, Jack and, and Helico were still dancing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. well, they got the moves. <laughs> they were 100% themselves. <laughs> and the crowd was, I mean, like, they were not into TH2 or Serpentico. They went wild for the Dark Order. 
early in the match, the Dark Order ran Luther back into the back and evened up the number games for themselves. Eventually, they were able to separate Jack Evans from his teammates, and their work, their teamwork, allowed Grayson to hit the nightfall, and he got the pin on Jack Evans. This was a really entertaining match, and it was a lot of fun in the perfect way. And if you haven't seen Dark in a while or you got turned off by it, you should watch this episode of Dark. The crowd really makes a yeah. difference, like it truly does. It's a more manageable episode. The length isn't as crazy as usual. And, yeah, just fantastic work. And then, well, actually, two steps forward, one step back, we had Dynamite. It wasn't on Wednesday it was on Friday, so we're actually a week behind, but there was not much Lucha action anyway. We only saw the Lucha Bros momentarily. They helped Pac fight off the Good Brothers. After an interview segment between Pac and Kenny Omega kind of flew off the rails into a brawl, the Good Brothers showed up, the Lucha Bros showed up, including Phoenix, who we'd heard was injured. And he helped it even up the numbers for Pack and left just he and Omega in the ring before Orange Cassidy showed up and hit the orange punch on Omega and then Pack and stood tall at the end, leading us in to double or nothing. And really the only lucha relevant segment to double or nothing was the casino battle royale. But it was great. Like this was if you love battle royales, this was so good. Penta came out in Joker gear, like the Batman Joker, and it was fantastic. He looked like a million dollars. So good. That's been, like, one of the best gears yeah. I, I've seen in probably years. Yeah, yeah. years, literally. Like yeah. Ray did something it. like that, yeah. Yes, and, yeah. And, and the body language when he came out, you know, mm -hmm. and the, I mean, it was so good, and it fits into that Cerro Miedo style. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean... I, I have already seen people making custom action figures, repainting their yep. AEW figures to look That's like gonna be a signature. Like yeah. uh, you know, hopefully we see it on like maybe what, lucha dash masks dot com that yeah. comes out in its own like the, the, the oh. it's just money, 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 money. Why are you spending my money, Miranda? <laughs> I'm not spending your money. I'm just saying that it yeah. is money. Yeah. No, you just spent uh. my money by saying that suggestion. <laughs> Because you, they'll do it now, and I, they know I will buy it. <laughs> it's just awesome, and absolutely agree. It fits into his character. It, it gives just a whole amazing vibe. The color choices, um, you know, it's 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 awesome. It it also, um, like you said, because it fits his vibe. It also sets a tone. Mm -hmm. Like people who who don't know who this ninja skeleton is know who the Joker is, and they know. It's about to get real, but if he's invoking the Joker when he's coming out, it's, I mean, it's this, it's a similar vibe to Ray coming out as Spider-Man or Captain America or even the Adam West Batman. Like he's exactly. setting the, you know. That's, that's exactly what I was going to compare this to. It's like Ray Mysterio. And what's interesting is Ray Mysterio almost always, he has done the Joker, but almost always he does a superhero, never the mm -hmm. villain. Yeah. But I love that Pentagon pulled not just any villain, or Penta, mm -hmm. sorry, not just any <laughs> villain, but like the villain from Comet. You know what I mean? Like it was so good. And yeah. we've seen Seth Rollins' Thanos gear, so like to do something unique and like the Joker that hasn't been done in a while and to do it in a way that's never been done, like mm -hmm. that was cool. And, and the crowd loved Penta, but what they loved even more was Jungle Boy 
winning. It was the feel-good moment. He gets the title match against Kenny Omega. I don't necessarily think you could call him a serious contender, but it'll be a fun match. It, it's what people wanted. Like, it was so cool when he won. And But that brings us to, like, the actual meat of the discussion. <laughs> the Joker entrant, it was Leo Rush. And what a unique choice. Like, I would never have expected him. Go ahead, Brendan. I just want to clarify, since we just spent, like, two minutes talking about the Joker. This is the Joker from the format of the – it's the wild card entrant that we didn't know. Yes. Yeah, we just we just transitioned from one Joker to another without really clarifying. But we're moving away from the the Joker uh, character to the Casino Battle Royale Joker Position. Wild card. Wild card. Yes. yes, yes. So, continue. Yes, but yeah, Leo Rush. I mean, I would not have expected Leo Rush, yeah. but what a unique choice. He looked fantastic in the match. He, you know, flew all around the ring. And, I mean, who has wrestled more places in the last year than Leo Rush? He's yes. been everywhere. He's been MLW. He's been AAA. He's been New Japan. He's been AEW. I mean, he's hitting indies. I mean, he is everywhere. Yeah. And for as much as Tony Khan likes to claim he's the forbidden door, we mentioned this. <laughs> Leo Rush may be the forbidden door. Like, he has worked <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he, and like you see WWE champion Bobby Lashley, a huge part of what got Bobby Lashley over at the beginning was Leo Rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was his hype man and I mean, it was incredible. And so it's just, yeah, it's just exciting to see him. It was an unexpected choice for sure. Lots of people hypothesized it was going to be Andrade, you know, like that was quite a bit of discussion and I don't know what this means for Andrade and AEW now. I feel like if they wanted Andrade, we'd see Andrade and AEW. That would have been the place, which is why everybody was saying it. That's Mm -hmm. the place to to legitimize him for this feud that they're going, that AAA wants him to have. So, uh, yeah, I don't think, I think that's the end of the Andrade to AEW rumors. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't, and, and when you look at it, who knows how much room AEW truly has on their roster. So having someone like Leo Rush who can come in and out may be more of a perfect situation for AEW. And they really are pulling strong on this new Japan tie-in. And that's what Tony Khan really, when asked about Leo Rush, talked about really more about Leo Rush and New Japan and that partnership. So, um, you know, I think that's also the thing that this, this wild card, Role has always been someone that they've brought on board at some capacity. They've really reached their threshold, even with the expansion coming up, that it may be perfect to have a Leo Rush who just can come in and out as he pleases for these one-offs while he then continues to do his thing in these other promotions. And it still will bring eyes to Leo Rush. It's still going to help, you know, AEW, um, but in, in a way that, as you mentioned, Dusty, also helps that message of we are providing opportunities for people across wrestling. And why not do that for the person who's literally been all over the, the world and, and all over uh, different promotions like mm-hmm. Leo Rush? And I mean, his 
uh, wingspan, I guess, is just incredible. <laughs> I don't know what word I want there, but he is just – he's not just worldwide. He's almost universal. And, I mean, it's incredible what Leo Rush has done. Like you say, he can come in, he can come out, and if he – Anything he does internationally or with other promotions only elevates his name and makes him more of a marquee, something you would t- tune in to see and be excited mm. about. So I love the idea. As much as I wanted Andrade, I was really excited when I saw Leo Rush. Like, it was incredible. And also, this week, it'll probably be over by the time you hear this podcast, but the Young Bucks versus Death Triangle of Pack and Penta for the tag team titles on the June the 4th Friday Night Dynamite. I, I'm excited for this match. I, I don't know that we see the Death Triangle win, but I think it's going to be one hell of a good match. And so, yeah, I checked the rankings, and they're not a ranked team, so the likelihood of this being... Uh, a title change really goes down because AEW is still trying to pretend that the rankings are an important part of the decision making. But I can yeah. dream. Yeah. <laughs> it would be so exciting. <laughs> so, that, and that goes back to like the Jungle Boy choice too. Like, a lot of people are going to go into the, that match with Jungle Boy going against Kenny Omega for the title thinking there's no way Jungle Boy can win, but they all want him to. And that's yeah. the same mm-hmm. vibe that we're going to get here. So, yeah. so, and that means that, that I'm going to bite on every false finish, <laughs> you know? Oh no, and he's going to hit the there, arm break. There will be, <laughs> there, there will be, but, and, and for me, I think that finally the Casino Battle Royale is doing a, more of elevating their homegrown talent. We've mm-hmm. seen, especially in the past, whether it's been the ladder match or the actual battle royale, where it's been that place for whoever the wild card is. And it's been someone new that they've brought in who's won that or, or someone that, yeah. you know, is a little bit higher on the card. Um, but to be able to take it from someone who's been there from day one and give them this opportunity to, yeah. you know, uh, be a part of it or, or to have a, such a big opportunity is great. Well, and it also elevates him into the title scene, which is really exciting for Jungle Boy. He's had more singles, maybe just more matches total. I don't want to say more singles matches, but Jungle Boy has wrestled more matches than anyone in AEW. And so, I mean, as much as it was a feel-good moment, it also felt like he earned this spot, well, like he earned his yeah. title match. It's absolutely a sign that they are rewarding that that level of work that he's put in. I I truly think that Jungle Boy and Sammy Guevara are going to be like the next generation of AEW champions. I'm, but I'm just surprised Jungle Boy got the spot before Sammy did. Well, Sammy's already doing main event stuff, so he doesn't. That's true. Need- need it as much i mean so that's the other lucha related content we didn't talk about sammy was in the actual oh, yeah. last match on the card which was the uh what the stampede yeah stadium, stadium, stadium stampede. stampede yeah yeah and he he was the one that got the finish too he got the pin yeah yeah and redeemed the golf cart spot. Yes, which I think, I mean, we talked about that last week, and I think a lot of people uh, were hoping for that, especially since the Inner Circle's baby face now, um, mm-hmm. that, that they finally got that, so yeah. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I mean, Double or Nothing was a really great show. I recommend everybody check it out. It was, I mean, like, top to bottom, it was a great show. I hope to see the Death death Triangle, you know, kind of get involved in the main event. We did not have that happen, but... I do do have to add the caveat that the stadium stampede mileage is going to vary greatly on this. It is... A COVID-era cinematic-style match, and some people love those and some people don't. Um, I personally enjoyed it. Dusty sounds like he enjoyed it. I, I really but, enjoyed it. I love the cinematic matches, personally. Yeah, I, I, I think but, they're great, but you're, you're right. You know? <laughs> now as they're moving forward with live audiences you know, and, and having that action back in the ring, they have to adjust. And yeah. that has been kind of a staple for them to do these types of funner matches. But can you do that in the same way as you right. did before? Definitely there's going to be some recalculation that they have to do with this type of match because it's mm-hmm. very popular and it allows them to do some creative things. But can you really do that in, you know, with a live audience now? It's hard. I mean, so they, the, you could hear that they were piping in the live crowd's reaction but it was obviously we're also watching it on the tron for the whole thing so uh you know i I mean yeah go ahead i I think if we see oh sorry (laughs) no do it go ahead Um, i think if we see cinematic matches they will probably be on the friday night rampage as a one-hour format and as we saw with impact and the the final deletion and all that stuff like people loved that stuff with the hardys and the cinematic matches and so i think that that having like a secondary program that's not as focused would be perfect for something like that yeah Well, of course, you can get the results for AEW, all of this week's shows at LuchaCentral.com. Up next, Brendan has a CMLL update. So we had the Copa Dinastia this this week. So that was uh, the iPay-Per-View with an attendance of 500, similar to last week's show. Um, this was a little bit of a tournament format, so it uh, got a little stretched out. They were a couple, 
There are a couple of more matches than you might normally see on a pay-per-view, which is great for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I, you know, I love the, the four matches, uh, that go a long time, but I also like seeing, um, a tournament. I love tournament wrestling. Uh, so in our first match of the night, we had Virus and Guerrero Maya Jr. in a lightning match. And Virus managed to win that with a submission at 9 minutes 30 seconds. I misspoke last week when I said it was, uh, a lightning match was as many falls in 15 minutes as possible. It's, you have 15 minutes to get a definitive winner and that's it. Um, slightly different. But they, you'll always see the clock ticking down. I, uh, I conflated that with a different match and I apologize. Uh, match two, we had Atlantis and Ultimo Guerrero against Black Panther, Felino Jr., Cacharo, and, uh, oh, oh, sorry, this is the beginning of the tournament. Atlantis, Ultimo Guerrero, Black Panther, Felino Jr., Cacharo, Gamelo Diablo, one, Forastro, Flyer, Pantera del Ring, and Ray Comeda. So that was the, if you are familiar with the way CMLL does their tournaments, they have everybody in the ring for a battle royal style event, which determines the, uh, the pairings for the, for the tournament. Uh, which leads us then to the to actual tag team matches that happened. You had the Panthers against Felino Jr. in the next match. The Panthers came came out on top on this and uh, then you had Jamelo Diablo 1 and 2 against the Panthers the, Pan- the Panthers lost on that one uh then you had Forastro and Sanson against uh Flyer and Volador Jr. and the uh the heat the I keep saying heels. The Rudos came out on top on that one. That's uh, Ferrastro and Sanson, if you don't know from Flyer and Volador. And then next we had Espiritu Negra and Recomita against Pantera del Ring and Pantera del Ring Jr. And Espiritu Negra and Recomita came out on top. The Atlantis team of Atlantis and Atlantis Jr., Against Grand Guerrero and Ultima Guerrero, the Atlantis team came out on top. Uh, the Panthers again in action against Gamelo, they came out on top. Forestro and Sanson against Ray Comeda and Espiritu Negro, uh, the the heels came out on top. I'm trying to zip through these. I apologize if you are trying to keep track of this and I'm going too fast. But uh, th- like I said, there were a lot of matches. Uh, Flyer and Volador Jr. against the Atlantis team. Flyer and Volador Jr. got got the win on this one. Uh, Gamelo Diablo won uh against Atlantis Jr. and Espirito Negro, Gamelo Diablo won won this. It was a uh it was it was I'm confused by this result, I apologize. Um but uh there was an issue with Olympico who is the was the referee in this one. Uh he 
didn't count a three fall, and some people are are uh, well, you know, people on the internet get unhappy. Uh, the Panthers and Forestro and Sanson was the next one. They that ended with a DQ win for the Panthers, but it was because Forestro and Sanson took the mask off of Black and Black Panther and Blue Panther Junior. Um, so we're moving towards the end of the card now. Flyer and Volador Jr. against Gamelo Diablo 1 and Gamelo Diablo 2. Uh, Flyer and Volador Jr. came out on top on this one. Finally, oh, not finally, sorry, I'm ahead of myself. Uh, now we have Cavernario, Dragon Rojo Jr., Hechicero against Fugas, Stuka Jr., and Titan in a, in a non tournament match. This is just a standard uh standard six man match. Um Hechicero got the win by submission uh and then took Stuka's mask off after the match, reestablishing, despite the fact that fans really like the man, that he is in fact a very bad man. Um and now we're to finally, which was Black Panther and Blue Blue Panther Jr. against Flyer and Volador in the finals of the Copa Dynastia. Uh, the, the Panthers came out with the win on this, which was not a crowd favorite. Uh, the, the, uh, multiple people were commenting that the crowd legitimately booed, even though these were both, uh, Technicos teams and Black and Black Panther and Blue Panther have traditionally been very popular wrestlers until this year, apparently. So, I don't know, maybe they should join the Ingo Bernables now. But, uh, that, that was the, the whole event. We, um, we, there was, there was drama that was not related to wrestling. So I guess the internet likes that these days, but, uh, I'm very excited about the whole thing. The, uh, because I went so fast, the complete results are of course available on luchacentral.com. I, I wanted to give everybody a chance to get a little bit of a feel for this, especially since the Panthers winning was kind of, uh, telegraphed through, through the way they, they won. They got some DQ wins and all that sort of thing. So maybe that's why the crowd was, was booing, but there is our CMLL results. They, uh, have resumed regular Friday tapings with crowds. So we will probably be having more CMLL results on this show. If you don't like all the detailed TMLL results, please let me know and we can work on trimming it down. If you do like it, I'll keep it in. But, uh, you know, we're building things back up. So I appreciate any input and feedback on how we're formatting the show. Um, I'm just going to kick it over to Miranda because the next segment we've got is NXT. Yes, we do. This week in NXT... Um, some lucha content, especially in the main event, but let's get started at the beginning of the show. Um, we had, uh, a number one contenders match between Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunn, and Kyle O'Reilly. Uh, chaos ensued from that match as Adam Cole came out of nowhere, uh, for the distraction and pretty much there was no winner after that. Ember Moon decided to take advantage of this chaos and call out Raquel Gonzalez. 
Um, however, uh, Gonzalez did come out, but security stopped them from fighting. But Dakota Kai snuck in and attacked her from behind. Uh, that led to uh, later on Ember Moon challenging Raquel Gonzalez for the NXT Women's Championship at In Your House. Um, and that match has been made. So we are going to see Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez at NXT In Your House. Uh, but next week, we are going to see her face Dakota Kai first. Speaking of number one contenderships and, you know, championship matches, uh, Adam Cole came out uh, to call his shot uh, at Karrion Cross. And they had fire promos back and forth where pretty much Adam Cole did what Adam Cole does best, runs his mouth. But Karen was unfazed. William Regal came out telling Adam Cole he knows exactly what he's trying to do. And that's, you know, pretty much skipped a line and get to Karrion Cross first. But Karrion said, it doesn't matter. I want everyone. So... It has been made official. Karrion Cross will defend the NXT Championship against Kyle O'Reilly, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne, and Adam Cole at TakeOver in your house. So this could be one of the biggest challenges of Cross's short reign um, so far, but one that, I mean, could absolutely be a, a match of the year contender. Just looking at everyone in that match already um it it's going to be something else um so very much looking forward to that and then we reached the uh, main event um prior to that uh legado de fantasma did have a promo in which santos escobar mentioned you know he was going to be out there to support uh joaquin wilde and raul mendoza that they have a quest for gold and that you know they their destiny is to be champions um and when we get to the actual match one thing that i've noticed at least for me is that anytime i see msk and the garla fantasma in the ring they keep getting better and better not only just their teams but their interactions and their work continues to get better and better and this i thought was one of the best matches or the best match that they've had together so far um and that was because of the rapid fire back and forth um but also the uh, and it seems like Legado de Fantasma was more cohesive this time and able to keep up with the pace of uh, MSK. And there was a beautiful standing backflip from Wesley that hit Joaquin Wilde. That was just uh, amazing. There was a potential level of in, of interference that could have happened towards the middle of the match, and that's when the grizzled young veterans came out. They tried to get involved. However, Timothy Thatcher and Tommaso Ciampa came out and ended up fighting towards the back. Um, and then there was, a, continuing with the match, uh, Santos Escobar did... Uh, once um, Wesley got out of the ring, knocked out of the ring, Santos Escobar did interfere and threw him into the steps. However, shortly afterward, Bronson Reed came out and just, I don't even know how to say it. It was like a, a locomotive hit Santos Escobar right into the barricade out of nowhere. Um, so that put um Santos Escobar out uh, for the rest of the match, which distracted uh, Raul Mendoza. That was just enough to allow MSK into their finisher 
to win the match and remain your NXT tag champions. So I know this felt like this could have been the opportunity uh, for them to, to win the titles, but it also does look like maybe they're going for a four way because you have all these four teams still interacting with each other, coming out and distracting each other. All yeah. of that. So maybe at In Your House we'll get a fatal four-way for the NXT Tag Championships. That's what I would prefer. I would like that to give Legado de Fantasma one more time. But I feel like if they don't win it next time, they're they're going to be out of the picture because there's other teams kind of lurking um, in the background waiting. It seems to me like the writing's on the wall that they're probably not going to get it, mm-hmm. which is. Why I'm a little bit because they could have continued to push towards this four way by having the title change this time. And then, you know, the team that they want to have be the tag team champs and the few going into the going forward could win it at in your house. So but it doesn't seem like that's the the option they chose. I'm unfortunately not very optimistic that it's going to be Legato del Fantasma because the momentum seems to be. With a couple of these other teams. Oh. Yeah. Especially MSK. I mean, I feel yep. like they've really revitalized the yep. tag division and it, the company seems high on them. They're cohesive. They, they just make it work and they're just, mm-hmm. they have fantastic energy. I love watching them. You know, it's, it's very hard as much as I like Legado de Fantasma. I am super okay and fine with, um, MSK being your NXT tag champions. So yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I mean that that that's what I how I see it coming out. So you should be happy. I just wish that uh, Legato de Fantasma had a chance to be the power faction in yes. NXT, but yeah. yeah. We also got this week Mercedes Martinez will be facing Zaya Lee at uh, NXT Takeover in your house. Um, and more matches will be announced. We still have uh, over uh, two weeks away. It's going to be on Sunday, June 13th, exclusively on Peacock. Um, and so, and of course, you know, the WWE Network, wherever it still exists. But, uh, you know, a very <laughs> solid episode of, uh, of of NXT this week. Again, that promo between Adam Cole and uh, Karrion Cross was one of my, my favorites. Um, I just think it's, it's, gosh, it's so, so good capturing the energy, uh, between the, these two guys. And now that you're getting everyone in a match at TakeOver, you really don't know what's going to happen, but, uh, great episode of NXT. Of course, the results for NXT are available on LuchaCentral.com. Brandon, I'm going to kick it back to you. Because you have some news on uh, Ring of Honor. Just real quick. This week's Ring of Honor episode did not have a lot of Lucha-centric uh, matches on it. It does have some continuation of the the violence versus the Foundation storyline, which is LFI adjacent. Because LFI, when they come back from their uh, suspension, are... are going to be put in mixing it up with both of these people but that that was it they the you had them furthering the feud a little bit watch the episode if you're curious about how that played out 
However, next week we will be starting the survival, the first round matches of the survival of the fittest. And we're starting off hot with the Ray Horus versus Flamita match. So that's going to be fire. I'm just, so if you're watching it on, on broadcast television, that'll be on, on Saturday night. Uh, and then there's a live rewatching of it on ROH's website on Monday afternoon, 4 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, that's, that's usually when I watch it and we do live watches and chatting and all of that. So look for me online around that time watching that match is kind of what I'm saying. Um, but that's, that's how I wait this week. Uh, up next, you know, it's that time of the show where we yeah. educate you and give you a history lesson with this week in Lucha Libre history. So Dusty, take it away. Yeah, that's right. It's this time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre History by Pep Carrera. He's got information, birth dates, anniversaries, match of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre. And that's at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, we chose June the 5th and 6th, 2016, when the second Lucha Libre World Cup was held. The Lucha Libre World Cup was an annual professional wrestling tournament and event organized and hosted the first two years by AAA, and it was held from 2015 till 2017. The first two tournaments, which featured three-man tag teams, you know, trios as we know them, were held in Mexico City, while the final tournament was held in 2017 in Tokyo, and that featured strictly traditional two-man tag teams. But this year we're discussing 2016, and that featured trios. And the trios were made up, they had teams from AAA, TNA, Pro Wrestling Noah, two separate teams from Lucha Underground, and even more teams like the Independents, the Luchadors, and the Legends that are on the independent yeah. scene, which was really cool. There was also a women's bracket that was organized by country. That was kind of cool. Taya was on Team Canada, which was a little weird, but otherwise, you know, pretty good. Team Mexico made up of Fabi Apache, Mary Apache, and Lady Apache defeated Team Japan of Asia Kong, Yuki Miyazaki, and Shimiri Natsu. And so that was a very cool match. But the men's final is probably what we're going to discuss the most, and that featured Team AAA of Pentagon Jr., Tejano Jr., and Psycho Clown against the eventual winners, Team Lucha Underground USA of Brian Cage, Chavo Guerrero Jr., and Johnny Mundo. And, oh, the the crowd was not happy. They love to hate this team. Yeah, <laughs> like, they they went nuts. And at, my favorite part was after the match, Dario Cueto showed up and announced <laughs> that he was the god of Lucha Libre. And, and he invited the crowd, who were just in, frothing at the mouth by now. Like, they, yeah. the moves were, like, incredible. It was amazing. And he invited them to check out the temple but said that you may not leave the temple alive. It's so cool. It made me so glad to see him back in Azteca Underground. He's the best figurehead in a wrestling promotion in years. Yes. And this was such a nice and timely reminder of that. 
Yeah, and it, there's a lot of building blocks that came out of this this particular World Cup because of that. Um, so to to help establish how much they hated this this arena hated the the Americans because they didn't see them as the Lucha Underground team they saw them as the evil Americans <laughs> they came out to born in the USA Johnny Mundo had yep. a, a like a United States flag on the yeah. inside of his jacket mm-hmm. um his leggings had like USA on the side yeah, of it uh-huh. like total US yeah they beat the Legends team, I believe, in the second round. I can't remember which round it was, but they beat the Legends of Mexico, which was just mind-blowing because the year before, we got a lot of good, feel-good moments out of the Legends team. Like, they, you know, we knew they weren't <clears> – <throat> they probably weren't going to win the whole thing, but they <clears> – <throat> They took one of the bad guy teams to task. They eliminated one of the most headed teams the year before. This was a slightly different Legends lineup this year, but mm-hmm. people kind of had expectations that the Legends team was going to represent Mexico and they were going to show, they were going to be the ones that removed these evil Americans and they cheated their way to this, to the win against them. I mean, totally set up just how bad guys they were going to be. And, uh, and that, so that established Johnny Mundo, who later worked AAA. I believe he won a championship from them and, uh, I mean, and basically became a heel faction. It was the beginning of Taya being heel because, mm-hmm. as Dusty mentioned, she was with Team Canada. And then later she betrayed, uh, Peros del Mall to join Johnny Mundo and brought mm-hmm. the belt with her. So, like yeah, just lots of building blocks for two or three more years of AAA programming came out of this one single event. Um, very cool stuff. Miranda, what did you notice about about this one? Well, for so the format of the match was something that I it was uh, had to get a better understanding of uh, <laughs> because the the way that it was set up and and it impacted the whole match um, because I guess this was this was the format I was learning about this um, all of the matches had a fifteen minute time limit and if there <laughs> wasn't a winner from that then it went to sudden death for about five minutes mm-hmm. um, and so that's what happened twice in this match. Match. And both times, it was right as it was hitting that mark uh, of time expiring that there was a near fall. Um, so that was something that I, I noticed as far as the format of the match, and especially after the first sudden death, and there was a specific referee cue. That that one kind of made me laugh because the referee was trying to get into place, and you could tell he was waiting for Johnny Mundo to do something, and and that was pulling <laughs> his his leg out. So yeah, that, that was kind of what caught me. But um, yeah, I mean, I think the entrances too were great with uh the Team Lucha Underground coming out with Dario, um. And but he didn't have a, a presence in the match, which I think we, you know, I, I expected. But he didn't. He only showed up at the end. And the crowd reception uh, for them, absolutely, the crowd was not having it. Not happy for them. Uh, not even wanting them there. But the the match itself was really entertaining uh, because. Really was the suspense as you get closer to the end of the time limit of who's mm-hmm. going to get that pinfall. 
And I really liked that because it added just something different uh, to the way that this you know, big main event was, was happening. Um, and, and again, it happened twice. So you figure out oh, you don't have to have it. Uh, but it, it did go into double sudden death. Um, and I think the way that it ultimately ended with, uh, the chair coming in, um, that, you know, was exactly how you described as far as the entire vibe of the tournament was, you know, Team Lucha Underground using those those rural tactics to win. Yeah, they, they were rudos throughout the whole show, and, and you could feel, you could tangibly feel the audience hating them more and more the more that happened, and it, it was just so wonderfully perfect. I remember being on the edge of my seat for this, for the double overtime, because I, you know, at this point, having seen the year before where a couple of matches went to overtime, the ladies uh, had a couple of overtimes on this year. I don't think there were too many in the rest of the tournament format on this particular year. But I remember, okay, okay, we're going to overtime. That makes sense. Uh, how are they going to do this? And then when they didn't do it and they went to the other, to the next one, I was, I was like standing with my hands on my head going, what's going to happen? And, <laughs> And then I, I mean, I was a fan, had my fan moment, the, the Rudos won, and I was like, no! And <laughs> my neighbors were super upset, cause I was super loud in, in the middle of the night, and just, but, it didn't, yeah, I, I was in, I was into it. It was, yeah. it's a fantastic format that, yeah. that I wish they would bring back, but, uh. Yeah. The, the problem was that, that trying to pretend that it is a global organized thing, and sharing it with other federations meant that there were, you know, there just weren't enough luchadors to support mm-hmm. a Lucha Libre World Cup in Japan. Yeah. Uh, they didn't bring enough over with them. And uh, so they had to do it as a tag team match that third year. And it, the other thing we talked that I talked about off air with that, it was also harder to watch because it was all through New Japan stuff. So you. You had to have their service, and then you had to stay up in the middle of the night to watch it live because they didn't put the put the feed up for it until like a week later if you missed the live feed. So it was really hard to to watch it and and take it in until later. At which point, a lot of the steam had gone out of it because the internet spoiled all the endings, and and uh, that takes that that raw emotion out of it when you you don't know what's about to happen. Well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. As Dusty mentioned, you could check out this day in Lucha Libre history at LuchaCentral.com. But wait, there is so, so much more at LuchaCentral.com. So, Brennan, why don't you tell our listeners what else they could find at LuchaCentral.com? Well, if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, I mean, seriously, it's it's time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. You can find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. So this is going to become really relevant really soon. So I'm just saying, if you haven't been there, this is the best time to start, because we'll also help you find all these live shows in the very near future. 
Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world, a place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives in all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And it, it, this is the, the final nail here. It's free. Like, you cannot beat this price ever. It is free. All of this coverage, content, information, free, free, free. I would say take my money, but you can't because it's free. <laughs> LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Dusty, a pretty eventful week in WWE. Let us know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, well, first up, we had SmackDown, and Ray and Dominic Mysterio defeated the Dirty Dogs in a tag team championship match. At this point, if it's Friday, <laughs> we know we've got a match between the Mysterios and the Dirty Dogs. <laughs> Like one oh. form or another, like that, that, that's how done I am. I'm, I'm not even gonna call them Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, just the Dirty Dogs. Dirty like, Dogs. And, and the fans have suffered from it almost as much as the Dirty Dogs have. Like they have fallen so quickly in WWE, and ugh, yeah. And that's all I'm gonna say about that. So now we have Monday Night Raw, <laughs> and. We had Mace and T-Bar defeating Lucha House Party and, you know, kind of a glorified squash match. I think we're going to be seeing more of Mace and T-Bar. It feels like the beginning of a push. But I found their work to just look ragged and kind of sloppy, and it just looked dangerous to me. Like, it it, it wasn't for me. Lindsay and Grand Metal League are just too damn good to be used this way against Retribution or whatever they're called now. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean I, they yeah. they should not be the enhancement. And and speaking of enhancement, we had kind of a two in one against Sheamus. First we had Ricochet, he got a win against Sheamus, and then Humberto he had a match against Sheamus. It actually had a semi-viral moment where Humberto busted Sheamus's nose during the match. And that moment said everything you need to know about these matches because they sold it to us as Sheamus being tougher and better. And look, you know, he busts his nose. He still competes. Look how tough Sheamus is. And that's exactly what they're doing with Ricochet and Humberto. They did not win because they were good. They were like, oh, my gosh, can you believe the commentary? So it was like, oh, my gosh, can you believe that Ricochet has defeated Sheamus, that he, that he won? He got the pin on Sheamus. So it wasn't like. I don't know. It felt like that they were just kind of the, you know, like the banana peel that that Sheamus right. slipped on. I get, I get wanting to make Ricochet look like an underdog, so it's a bigger moment. But can you believe it over and over again? Or I know, all these people talking about the difference in size, like you know, play up what Ricochet's strengths are a little more. Play up the fact that like. Maybe we shouldn't be surprised. This is not the first time Ricochet's beaten somebody so much bigger than himself. That's mm -hmm. kind of kind of what he does. Yeah. You know? Um Yeah, it no. just yeah. It feels weird. They're they're using them as enhancement to benefit Seamus rather than trying to help elevate the who you know, the luchadors. Yeah. And and you don't need to elevate Seamus. You know, he's no. a multi time world champion. He's held pretty much every championship. There is. In, including King of the Ring. 
Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I mean, and and let's be honest, he's got a much shorter shelf life than these luchadors. He's done it for a couple of decades now. Yeah, you know, he he is going to wind up either part time or retiring way sooner than either of those guys. So, you know, it maybe maybe help build the next generation of wrestlers. That's actually not a thing WWE superstars are good at doing. Right? <laughs> and I don't know if it's I don't want to I don't want to blame Sheamus on this cuz he is not re- responsible for decision making. Right. Uh but it is a thing that is very consistent especially lately where established stars get to look good while your up and coming stars just get crushed or become invisible and uh that's probably why they're losing fans left and right cuz they they bought these big indie stars that have a built-in fan base, and then they realize the fans realize that they're not going to get to see the person yeah. they fell in love with, and they stop watching. It's true, and part of it's the the repetition. If you tune in this week, to, no matter what show you like, you tune in last week to watch it. You tune in this week, and they show you the exact same show you saw last week. You're going to yeah. change the channel. You already saw yeah. that. And yep. WWE has been giving us the same matchups and the same show basically over and over. Yeah. And yeah, it's just ugh, awful. And and also we have in WWE news, due to what WWE is citing as budget cuts, the following talent were released on Wednesday, June the 2nd. The talents released were Braun Strowman, Lana, Buddy Murphy, Santana Garrett, Ruby Riot and Alistair Black. And, like, so strange. Um, Braun Strowman had a big money contract, a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. I believe he also had a tour bus and maybe some kind of food plan built into his contract. That was kind of the. I didn't quite understand all of that. I heard it was fierce negotiations when he re signed and he was in the middle of a multi year deal. Yeah. Yeah. And, but. When you figure in the cost of WWE providing him a bus and a food plan on the road instead of at home where he's in charge of his own stuff, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, that, you know, his, his was probably largely financial. But if this was any other company, there's been cuts left and right through WWE lately. You would say, you know, is WWE for sale? I mean, it would kind of be given in almost any other company. But Vince has said that he doesn't want to sell WWE, not lately, not these latest rumors. I mean, there's been rumors that Universal NBC have offered him as much as $4 billion with a Bubba B, like the Beach Boys, <laughs> $4 billion. Yeah. Yeah. And Vince would be a sucker not to take that because they'll buy it back later when it's not worth as much. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I mean, they always get that first right of refusal on their contract and – yeah. Yeah. I, uh, and uh, but almost everybody knows that Vince is a control freak and he wouldn't want to sell it. That's why it, most wrestling journalists are not taking rumors of the sale even now seriously even though this is to your point, this is what this is business 101. They're doing exactly what a business does when they're trying to make themselves look good mm-hmm. before sales. They're trying to maximize their efficiency. They're removing any sort of uh, obstruction to a good sale, like any redundancies, mm-hmm. any any uh, obnoxious large contracts that might be tripping points for a potential buyer. So it does 
project all of that. Um, I do wanna, I do wanna make one quick point. The WWE at no point officially said that these were budget cuts. Alistair Black said that what he was told when he was terminated was that it was for budget reasons. And this is important again because it's about the WWE's transparency. They are not saying anything about what they're doing. They're just firing people left and right after their most profitable year ever. Uh, and then, uh, telling people last minute that the, or telling at least this one person last minute, well, we're really sorry. We had plans for you, but it came from above us and it's all about money and we had, our hands were tied was more or less loosely translated. That's what they told him. And, uh, it was yeah. just, yeah. Can you imagine John Laurinaitis who can't even live up to his brother's name calling you and be like, sorry, pal, we got nothing for you. <laughs> yes. Happy trails. You know, <sighs> like, I'd be so mad. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that just takes me back to stories like the Dudley Boys, the first time they were fired from the WWE, <laughs> it was Laurinaitis saying, creative's got nothing for no, you. For you, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We hear that all the time, you know, creative <laughs> yeah. has nothing for you. So, but you know, we've, we've gone through these before, you know, before the stories was, you know, they're coming up against the end of a quarter and they're, like you've said, Brendan, trying to kind of balance the books and trying to get their financials in order for their next quarterly, uh, financial records for stakeholders. Now, because of, you know, the releases that have happened now months, uh, together, it's leading people to think. And, and at this point, too, you know, they moved over the network to Peacock. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're they're looking for a much more global presence. I understand why some people would be saying they're looking for to to selling and maybe they're offloading some weight. But also, no, I mean, we've also heard a lot of stories about them restructuring lots of departments because of the changes due to COVID, um, mm-hmm. and that. Some of their uh, the staff in the digital and social media areas were let go. They've also, you know, recently let go. Like Tom Phillips was another one released mainly because um, they brought in a, another person on the commentary team. Um, there's, there's. It seems like if for me, if anything is happening, it may be they're looking at what they're they're kind of cleaning house to kind of simplify and maybe look at what they absolutely need because mm-hmm. now. Maybe less is more. Now, for someone like Braun Strowman, who is homegrown, it is very curious, you know, that yeah. that they would let him go. And money sounds like probably the right thing because of the fact that, you know, if he had such a large contract and all these add-ons, you know, if they're looking to save some money, absolutely. But for someone who's been with them since, you know, day one of his career that they've really molded him into, you know, uh, a WWE entity, you know, that's something they don't tend to do as much. You see everyone else that's been let go. It's, you know, people who they haven't utilized very often or you just don't see them let go. They tend to, they tend to not let go of people who they've really developed under their own. Yeah. You know, most properties. of the rest of most of the rest of that list, as I said, off air, not surprising because mm-hmm. they weren't right. using them. Like, I mean, Alistair Black was starting to be used, but he, before that, there were months where he wasn't being used. So it just felt like, you know, like it was still in their heads. We could just get rid of this one too. Um, yeah, they, but 
Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but it's just... no, no, no. It's it's all yeah. I think a lot of people are on the same page about them, and we'll I guess continue to see what happens. And there's even continued speculation of more releases happening. So who knows this time next week when we come back to you, um, if we have more information about either these releases or possible future releases. Okay. Up next, we have NWA, and they brought out some pretty interesting news about their next pay-per-view Ooh, when our shadow boy. falls, our, our shadows fall, um, that's happening this weekend on June 6th. So I believe that's this Sunday on June 6th. Let's get the calendar out. Yes, this Sunday on June 6th uh, is going to be available on Fight TV, um, but some pretty big news as far as the match lineup. Um, they announced a four-way tag match with some uh, f- uh, faces familiar to Lucha Libre fans. Um, we have a four-way match that includes the end, which is uh, Odinson, uh, Odinson, sorry, and uh, Pero. Um, you have uh, Marsh, uh, Marsh, uh, Rocket, and Slice Boogie as a team. And then for Lucha Libre fans, we have, uh, Sam Rudo, uh, as far as Sam Adonis, uh, um, oh my gosh. Why is it escaping me? <laughs> it's that kind of night. Yeah, Sam, uh, Sam Adonis, uh, yeah, as, as we know, was, he, yeah. yes, but he's being called Sam Rudo and Sal Renaro teaming up. And our final team is Bestia666 and Mega Wolf. Um, so that is a four-way tr- a tag team match happening at When Our Shadows Fall. And also, we have a bit of the NWA Women's Championship scene kind of figured out. Uh, Camille will be facing Serena D for the NWA Women's Championship. And Thunder Rosa will be teaming up with Melina to face Taryn Terrell and a returning Kylie Ray. So that's very big. This will be Kylie's yeah, first match in quite some time since, you know, when she left Impact, uh, I believe it was last summer. So mm-hmm. we haven't seen her on our TV screens in quite some time. Um, but we've seen this alliance and partnership with Thunder Rosa and Melina that's developed now for over the past year. Um, and so we will see them in tag team action against Kylie Ray and Taryn Terrell. Um, but very curious as far as some of this Lucha Libre presence, specifically with NWA, they tend to stick more with, you know, U.S. talent, especially those mm-hmm. that kind of reside in, you know, the the East Coast. <laughs> and um, the South, yeah. In the South, yes, yeah. So it is very interesting to see Sam Adonis on here, Mecha Wolf, and Beastia 666. So we haven't, because of, of COVID, we haven't had much opportunity to talk about Mecha Wolf and Bestia 666. Uh, they are, they are a tag team that had started in the crash. I believe if the crash ever starts having shows, they'll be tag team champions again, but, uh, they are an established tag team out of there. Uh, as you might expect, anybody who watched WCW and saw Damien in 666, you know, Bestia 666 is a brawler. Um, he's got a little more technical skill and, uh, Mecha Wolf is a crazy flyer so Mm -hmm. like if you want to see 
really good kind of Texas meets Mexico City Lucha Libre style, that's a good team to keep an eye on. I just wanted to throw that out there because we haven't talked about them much uh, on the show yet. They're, but they're, they are through and through luchadors and they are, they represent a very specific style that is very interesting to a lot of fans. Yeah. That's why I think this match is going to be so interesting because you have, um, you know, like super big guys. Uh, with Odinson and Pero, um, you know, Slice Boogie too is a bit of a, a brawler, but also can move pretty fast. Um, and then, uh, Rocket, I'm not really familiar with. Same thing with Renaro. Um, so, uh, you know, there's elements I know and elements I don't going into this match. And though they haven't alluded to it, who knows if this also has implications for the tag team title uh, scene right now. The tag titles are going to be defended in a triple threat match. Uh, so there's plenty of uh, tag teams around in the NWA, but you got to think that whoever wins this may be working their way up in line for the tag titles. And who knows if this will then mean regular occurrences uh, for Sam, uh, Bestia and Mega Wolf in the mm-hmm. NWA in the future. And um, you uh, you reminded me of something. Um, uh, we've also seen Pero working with Luchadors. He's a, a, actually a really good base. So mm-hmm. uh, seeing him paired up against a Mecha Wolf or a, a Bestia is going to be a, a moment to kind of keep an eye on. They, mm-hmm. They'll be able to do some good stuff. So again, NWA When Our Shadows Falls happening this Sunday, June 6th. On the Fight TV app, it's starting at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And they have a full lineup, but if you are a Lucha Libre fan and you're looking for something to watch this Sunday, maybe check out NWA. Didn't think we'd be saying that any, I mean, yeah. 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 Outside of what Thunder Rosa's been doing, that's all that we've really had. So, again, this this, uh, Fatal 4-Way tag team match came out of nowhere this week. Um so a, a pleasant, pleasant surprise. Indeed. Yes. Up next, we have Impact Wrestling. And really the big news for Lucha Libre fans coming out of Impact is the X Division Championship match, a 60-minute Ironman match. Champion Josh Alexander defended against TJP. And so this was an interesting setup because they actually started this match halfway through before the Impact BTI which is a show that airs before Impact Wrestling. So the first half of that match was through BTI, and the second half of the match was the first 30 minutes of Impact Wrestling, which is a smart way of doing it. If you have limited time on Impact Wrestling, you can't do a you know 60-minute Ironman match. And if you want to have people, uh, BTI is still a fairly new show for Impact. So if you want to bring viewers to BTI, this is a great way of doing it. And, Absolutely. And so this match, uh, and I can't do it justice with the description, uh, cause it was such a long match, uh, as it went through the full 60 minutes plus, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, but the chemistry between these two was fantastic. Um, moves and counter moves throughout really the entirety of this match. Uh, a lot of locks and holds. Um, you did see some flying from both men, not just TJP, but also Josh Alexander. 
And I think it allowed both of them to say, whatever you can do, I can do better. Whatever you can do, I can do it too. And I think that they just, that chemistry, the fact that they were able to keep that so consistent and so well throughout this match is a testament to both of them. You had the first pinfall at about 15 minutes um, with Josh Alexander getting the first uh, pinfall through a series of, of uh, pins and reverses, um, landed one. And then pretty much through the rest of the match was them going back and forth. Um, TJP really gave it everything that he had, um, and you could tell how exhausted he was. Both men really were. Um, but as you were getting towards literally the last few seconds of the match, you had Josh Alexander lock in an ankle lock on TJP, um, but within just, a, I think, two to three seconds, really three if you think about it, seconds left, uh, TJP was able to reverse that, um, and he was able to lock in a pin for it to be one and one. With that, you went into sudden death. And so, uh, the really sudden death was only a few minutes with Josh Alexander getting the win, um, with a underhook pile driver, which was f- brutal, brutal. Um, but I mean, you had the locker room out, all the faces came out to watch. And at first they were behind the barrier, but then as it got closer to the end of the time limit, they were at, on the ring, um, around the ring. So it was a, a great match and, you know, again, impact wrestling is a hidden secret in the wrestling world. You know, they may get all the attention now because of Kenny Omega um, and, and the history of TNA. But the X Division is still one of the best things that they have in wrestling and in impact. So if you're looking for just a great wrestling match, this is one I highly, highly recommend. As far as this week in impact, um, not much else. However, we did get a match for next week. Um, we are going to see Willie Mack versus W. Morrissey, and it's going to be some type of stipulation, maybe no DQ match. Um, but W. Morrissey is also going to be facing Rich Swan at Against All Odds in a few weeks. Um, so we're going to see the rematch, though, of Willie Mack and W. Morrissey next week on Impact. And also announced for Against uh Against all odds, we're going to see Decay versus Violent by Design. So the team of Crazy Steve and Taurus will be facing uh, Violent by Design. Though we don't know exactly which members yet. I don't know if they're going to Freebird. They they are currently the Impact uh, Tag Team Champions. So who knows who we're going to get? Uh, because Joe Doring is already in a match um, for that event. So who knows who we're going to get? Probably Rhino and. Uh, um, Diener in that, uh, especially because from reports that uh, Eric Young is still injured. So it's very likely, though, um, those are who we're going to see face each other, uh, face each other at against all odds. But highly recommend the 60 minute Iron Man match from this week's impact. And then also some breaking news from this week's impact. They announced that fans will be allowed at Slammiversary on July 17th. They're going to have a limited amount of tickets available that go on sale this Friday, June 4th. So by the time you listen to this show, tickets may be available. Tickets may be sold out. Who knows? But a big move for Impact. They're kind of on the latter end of promotions, um, having, you know, coming, ha- having fans come back, but not too far behind. 
Um, but, you know, they're going to be having the show in Nashville um, in their regular studios. And it's going to be great, as we've already seen with AEW, to have fans back in attendance and i think it's going to uh you know do wonders for impact they were also more recent and starting to kind of uh filter in crowd noise and even that has made a difference in their tapings having the the uh, roster out this week uh, during the iron man match uh was you know something that was was really positive and i think really helped the energy of the show and i think fans are going to be clamoring back to impact wrestling, especially because it's Slammiversary. And that may mean, you know, they're bringing on people uh, from New Japan, maybe some of these former WWE signees. There's going to be surprises at Slammiversary, and it's going to make all the difference in the world to have fans there. Our final news story is MLW and some interesting notes that came out of this week. First off, Again, uh, new episodes of uh, Fusion are going to be coming back in July. So we have another week of MLW Underground and some pretty good content for you to check out. We have two J-Cup semifinal matches with Christopher Daniels and Jimmy Yang. Um, and then the second match with Sanjay Dutt and Eddie Colon. But if you're a Lucha Libre fan, make sure you check out Juventud Guerrera and Super Dragon versus Los Maximos. Um, and this is when Juventud was, you know, super hot with the with the crowd. Um, so I didn't get the chance to watch this match yet. It's on my to do list. But, um, you know, MLW Underground episodes are so cool because it is that hybrid of like what ECW could have been if they were still around. So it feels like ECW, the sequel um, with the with the crowd, with the, you know, production, with the commentary. Um, and it, I, I really enjoy these when I get to watch them. I don't know if either of you gentlemen got to watch this week's MLW Underground. I did. I did. Uh, the, the tag team match in question is just as good as it sounds on paper. The, uh, the Maximos were the, the hot tag team. They were, they were calling themselves some variation of the best tag team in the world at that point. And, uh, they, they, they weren't disappointing on that. They gave us good tag team action. If you're a fan of tag team, Double teams and moves. You you get a lot of that out of both teams. Both that both guys had high flyers on them, so you got a lot of that kind of West Coast lucha libre style out of it. Um, just fantastic stuff. Uh, definitely uh, worth the watch. If you if you feel the that you're pressed for time, you can fast forward to to that match and watch that. Mm-hmm. Although all of the matches were fun. Um, you also get a little bit more of the CM Punk Conan feud building. So if you're, if you are oh, not Conan, I don't Vampiro. know why I do that. I don't know why I do that. They're very different people. Vampiro. Uh, but are they really? Maybe that's why sometimes they, like no, they? no, they're very different people. They're very, very different, very people, different they people. They complain about the same things. Like if they, <laughs> that's why. No. Let's just be honest. Yeah, maybe, maybe that that's in the back of my brain somewhere. But yeah, no, you get more on that. So if you if you want to see old school vampiro stuff, this is a good place for it too, because this is that that really edgy punk vampiro that was probably tearing up any attempts at scripts and just talking into a microphone, and it's it's kind of magical. So I mean, good episode of of the show. And in more current MLW news, we had round three of the open draft. 
the draft started off by uh, sharing news about some returning signees. Uh, first off, he is Mike Dio and yours, Savio Vega, will be continuing his work with MLW. They alluded, but, you know, where... But he's dead. Well, so that's also another thing, is that they alluded, you know, now Caesar Duran is part of Azteca Underground. Maybe he came back. Maybe they put Savio Vega in the uh, in Azteca, um, in, in the uh, temple, and they brought him back to life. Oh, man. So maybe Savio Vega's a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> Did he eat John Morrison? <laughs> uh, he's the alpha. He's the alpha now. Uh, so Savio Vega is returning to MLW, including another signee friend of the show. Zenshi is going to be making his return yeah. to MLW. He will be appearing at their first show in July at the 2300 Arena in Philadelphia. In that, you know, Senshi may be doing some modifications to his style, to his wrestling techniques. And as we know from talking with him, you know, the, he's a man of the world. And so he is always up to embracing new styles, always training, always learning more. And he seems ready to elevate his game, especially now with new, uh, new wrestlers coming on board and the addition again of Azteca Underground. He is another one who could easily slide between MLW and Azteca Underground. So he has a place in both locations. Who knows where we're going to see him, but a big congratulations to Zenshi for making his return to MLW. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, yes. And some big news, too, for Lucha Libre fans in the new signee section. MLW announced two new signees with some Lucha Libre background. The first one is Lee Moriarty, um, based out of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, yes. Yeah. It's all the same, as I say that. For <laughs> it's not true. Not true, everyone. It's not the same. It's not the same. Uh, but he has a hybrid background of catch uh, Puro and Lucha Libre. Um, and Brendan, I know you were able to do some more background, uh, information or, or research on Lee. Well, yeah. So the, the, he, uh, studied at Chikara, which is part of where he got his Lucha background. Um, I couldn't verify where he wrestled that in Mexico in yeah. the short amount of time I had, but he has done some matches in Mexico according to all of the hype on him. Yes, yeah, MLW did announce that with, you know, his, his background or as he had wrestled in Mexico. Um, and again, these are just things that we just found out today, hours before the show started. So that's how much we care. We try and get all this, uh, to you. So someone though, I mean, a hybrid style works really well in MLW because you have wrestlers of all backgrounds. Yeah. So it seems like he could easily do a match, say, with a Zenshi. Um, or again, if they bring back a, a Laredo kid or even a Leo Rush or, you know, he could easily challenge, uh, for, you know, uh, is, I was going to say, um, the middleweight championship. And that's with. Oh, I don't remember who current, who, who currently has that. I have to look I, that up. But I know uh, who was I know who was feuding over it, but I don't remember who won it. So yes, uh, yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I did. I did also want to mention that Moriarty was the winner of the mass wrestler competition. Yes. So 
yeah. he went on and then went on to win the uh, independent wrestling television championship out of that opportunity. So he, uh, in addition to his lucha background, he has had a masked gimmick in the recent past. So he's, you know, I mean, he's very lucha, lucha adjacent and lucha trained. It's very, it's a uh, mm-hmm. very, yeah. Yeah, and as we say, Myron Myron Reed, um, he's now the the new MLW. It, it uh, was Reed. <laughs> yes, Myron Reed. Yeah, middle middle way. Again, we already know too. Gringo Loco has been resigned, so the fact that he uh could you know easily just go between different styles and competitors is going mm-hmm. to be a huge asset to him in MLW. And another signee that MLW announced is one from AAA, and that's Adamis. Um, that was Woo-hoo. really big for, for Lucha Libre and especially for AAA, this announcement. And so I'm not as familiar with his work as, as Dusty and Brendan are. So if you don't mind giving me a little bit lesson on enemies and what maybe MLW fans could expect from him. Kick it off, Dusty. Uh, well, yeah, I, I believe he might be signed to AAA right now. But I'm not certain on that because I think he's also the current IWRG Intercontinental Tag Team Champion with Impossible. And he's, you know, a high flyer, very exciting. He's participated in the Pro Wrestling Guerrilla Battle of Los Angeles before. Um, yeah. Gosh, it, yeah. If you're familiar with IWRG at all, or a lot of, he was at, uh, the, the most recent AAA pay-per-view, the Rea de Reyes pay-per-view, I believe. Yeah. He was and, in that, that undercard match that we, we loved. Yeah. Yes. He's, where Latigo yeah. won. But yeah, mm-hmm. he was, he was, yeah, he, Aramis is incredible and excellent high flyer. This is a big get for MLW because mm-hmm. he is so impressive. And we talk about how somebody like Phoenix makes it effortless and he is one of the, few that do aramis is and like so exciting i aramis is they so they gave pack um you know uh he had a different name then the moniker of the man that gravity forgot but like if you compare that to aramis who just effortlessly hops to the ropes and then does all of these things he's he's a big big up-and-coming talent uh, there's a reason AAA had him in that match because they know that they want to have him as one of the hot high flyer talents that can really add energy to the beginning of a show. Uh, he, you are, to the best of my knowledge, you are correct that he still has that IWRG title. I am, uh, and, but you also pointed out that he's, uh, he does PWG work. So he's already worked in front of American crowd. So he knows the difference between a lucha crowd and an American crowd. And he adapted pretty well to it in front of that PWG crowd. So, uh, he, he's going to be a big name fast okay. now that they've got him in MLW. I think this is also a positive sign of the continued relationship between MLW and AAA. I think, I know for me, was a little nervous about the situation with the Cruiserweight Championship that happened and, you know, what that meant for the partnership. But it sounds like they're moving forward either way and we're going to see maybe more AAA talent um, at MLW and maybe once, you know, borders open again, 
maybe MLW taking a, a trip to Mexico again. Um, but this made me very optimistic about the future of the partnership between MLW and AAA and think it's great that MLW, as we've talked about before, really does take into consideration their Lucha Libre presence. And they're going to have to with Azteca Underground. Um, that still is such a huge mystery as to how is that going to be presented? How is that going to interact with MLW? Is it going to be a completely separate entity? How, you know, all the tie-in. And so they really are going to need to maybe ramp up their Lucha Libre part of the roster if Azteca Underground is going to be its own thing. Um, so we will continue to see the open draft continues next week. And we will continue to bring you that news and more right here on the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And with that, that is the end of this week's show. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also check out Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. You can also check out the YouTube page that has lots and lots of content, including previous episodes of this show. You can also get interviews, matches, and much, much more all on the Lucha Central YouTube page. And with that, well, you can check us out on social media. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know about independent promotions that are running, Lucha Libre matches, that and much, much more. Go ahead and reach out to us on social media. Starting off with Dusty, where can our listeners find you? Yeah, I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy, and I am on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers, 321 T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I am on Instagram, I am on Facebook, and I am especially on Twitter. Yes. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook, not on Twitter. Go reach out to Dusty <laughs> or Brendan. You can reach out to, to them. Uh, but, yes, reach out to us on any of those social media platforms. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Let us know your thoughts on the current events happening. And especially if you are an independent wrestling fan, promoter, or wrestler, Reach out to us because we'd love to promote any Lucha Libre matches or promotions happening throughout the U.S. And even in Mexico, we love to talk about independent wrestling as much as we can. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to do it before all of these other promotions start to ramp up and there's more shows. So please reach out to us on social media and let us know what's happening in the independent world. And if you are listening through to this through maybe your favorite podcast streaming platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Podbay, iHeartRadio, Google Play, whatever it may be, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Subscribe so that way you are notified every time a new edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast drops. You can leave us a five-star rating and give us a review. Again, let us know your thoughts on the show. We are always open to feedback. We are always looking for new ideas and new content. So share that with us either on social media or through however you're listening to your podcast. For Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, my name is Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next week.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.